What's up, guys? We're going to do this podcast. My name is Solomon Ali, at Solomon Ali NBA on Twitter. It's been a while since I've uploaded a podcast, and I was actually planning on uploading a podcast a few days ago. I recorded an hour-long episode with Forrest Walker, and then 30 minutes after I finished recording, I heard that John Wall wasn't in the Bahamas with the Rockets, and, I, and half of that podcast was talking about John Wall and his role with the team next season, and it's like, ugh. If should I upload this if Wall really doesn't have a role with the team next season? If there's a distinct possibility that he doesn't have a role with the team next season, because that's what it, that, that's what I was feeling. And uh, as the days went along, uh, you you even saw it in my writing. I I, I kind of talked to, I kind of put Wall to the side a little bit because I just didn't expect him to be a willing participant in what Houston does next summer or this season rather. And lo and behold. This afternoon, Shams Tirani of the Athletic. That's right, Shams Tirani of the Athletic, not Shams. He he gives guys a free pass to mispronounce his name, but that's a separate tangent. Shams reports that the Rockets met with John Wall and discussed what their vision for the team is moving forward. And Wall kind of understood that that vision doesn't involve him, right? And the two parties agreed that it was best that they find a new suitor for Wall and his services. This doesn't surprise me. What surprises me is that it happened this summer and not next summer, right? Like, I I think next summer was really the date everyone had circled as far as, like, when a Wall resolution would likely be met because that's when he's an expiring contract and that's also when he'd probably be more willing to listen to a buyout negotiations because he'd only have one more season left on his contract and he could go see go see what his market is in free agency before buying out but the earliest i really thought you know was at the trade deadline where like the two would discuss start discussing a resolution i thought the earliest that would happen was be, would be at the trade deadline this season and that still might happen you know that he he still might get bought out i i don't buy this idea that they've completely closed the books on a buyout because it's hard for me to envision a trade with Houston that doesn't involve them giving up assets. I think they're probably going to have to give up assets if they want to move John Wall right now. Now, if they're willing to wait and be patient, see how the marketplace develops for Wall, see how other, you know, contenders that could possibly need Wall, you know, play, then then they may not have to give up an asset. But I I do think if they're going to trade him this season, they're going to have to give up at least one first, probably that 2023 Milwaukee first. And I don't think Houston wants to do that. They're a rebuilding team. Rebuilding teams should not be giving up first round picks unless they're trying to acquire a young player or a star player. And that's not the case here. This would be a dump. And I don't think they're willing to do that kind of a trade right now. And so... What you're really looking at is a team that has a need for John Wall, is willing to take on his contract, and is fine with the floor spacing problems that Wall may present. And there's really two teams that I think fit this mold, or at least fit it better than the other teams. And that's the Los Angeles Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. Let's start with the, the Clippers. So the Clippers were a team I had circled as a wall, as a possible wall destination 
for a, a few months now because they they have a need for point guard play. They have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in their prime. They're trying to win a championship. Uh, Steve Ballmer is loaded, so he'd be willing to pay the luxury tax if it helps better the team. And I thought, you know, that might be a natural fit for him. The problem is they went out and acquired Eric Bledsoe in addition to already having Reggie Jackson. So they may be happy with what they have there at point guard. I I do happen to think that Wall is an upgrade over Bledsoe, but they may they may not see it that way. And they, they do have a lot of contracts that they can use as, as matching salary. And if, even if, if they're willing to wait even a little bit uh, for the trade deadline, uh, they can include, you know, Marcus Morris uh, in trade discussions and another, another possible matching salary. Uh, the problem is uh, Houston would have to be taking on future money. And I think that's going to be an issue. Like, I don't think they want to take on salary past 2023 because in 20, in the summer of 2023, the Rockets are shaping up to have two max cap spots, right? I think I think they're keenly aware of that. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of why they're not in any rush to get rid of Eric Bledsoe, not Eric Bledsoe, Eric Gordon or John Wall because both those contracts expire in 2023 and it cleanly opens up all that cap space for them. So uh, that's going to be interesting to watch to see how much future money are they willing to take back. They did sign Daniel Tice to a four-year deal. Right, so they're not they're not totally opposed to taking back future salary, uh, but Luke Kennard is like you know fifteen million in twenty twenty three twenty twenty four. That's 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 significant change. You know, it's it's not it's not everything. You know, they they can still create max cap space if they want to, but it, it it's not nothing. So the Clippers are are a possible landing spot. The Mavericks are another landing spot, and this is one that I'm not sure if I would do if I were the Mavericks, but. It's it's something I could see them exploring because I think a lot of people with the Mavs kind of view Porzingis as a bad contract at this point. He's probably more of a complimentary type piece, maybe the third or fourth best player on a championship team. And he's kind of, you know, he's kind of there to play the second best. That's the problem. So if, if the Mavericks go ahead and say, you know, a couple months into the season, you know, like, let's just say Porzingis doesn't play well again this season. Let's just say they're like, you know what? I think it's time we go and see what we can get for Porzingis. If they decide, you know what? We'd rather take back two years of John Wall's salary versus three years of of Porzingis' salary. There's a deal there. Now, it still might involve Houston having to give up uh, a first round pick, you know, the Mavericks don't own their own 2023 first round pick. So, you know, they may be more willing to take on that Milwaukee pick, but, um, there, there's a deal there. And the same thing with the, the Clippers, especially the Clippers don't own any first round picks until 2027. So they, they, they'll take any sweetener they can take. Those are two, two possible destinations. And I still just see this thing going to a buyout. I really do. I think, I think he gets bought out. I think I think they try their best to trade him up until the February trade deadline, up until the buzzer, and once they realize there's not a team out there, I think they buy him out, and I think Wall signs with the new team at that point.
At Vanguard, we know that this is more than just a retirement plan. This is your cappuccino date in Italy, the beach house with the matching bicycles. It's your rental car down memory lane and weekends reuniting with friends from over the years. This is the future you imagined, and we're here to help you build it. Because at Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. It's painful, right? It's it's not fun to eat, eat money like that for multiple seasons, but I just don't see any other resolution there. That accomplishes everything they want to accomplish. And I don't think they should be giving up first-round picks. I really don't. So I think this is going to be a matter of a few months. You know, like they're going to realize pretty quickly that the market is pretty barren for John Wall. Uh, He is the worst contract in the NBA. Uh, He's a good NBA player, but he's, you know, 18 to $20 million a year, not 42. And that's really where the problem lies with him, right? It's not that he's not a good player. It's that he gets paid entirely too much. He gets paid um, what the caliber of players like Steph Curry, James Harden, Kevin Durant, LeBron James. Like he gets paid what those guys get paid. He's not that level of player. And he gets paid like that. It's, it, it, so um, I think uh, I don't think there's going to be a trade. I think he gets bought out. I know I know the Rockets say that they, they aren't willing to explore a buyout right now. I think that's going to change. And... This really does reveal what Houston thinks of Kevin Porter Jr., which is that they're really, really high on him. And he, to me, and I wrote about this uh, earlier this month, is the most compelling storyline for Houston next next season, or this upcoming season, rather, because he has so much financial incentive to kill it this year. If he shows glimpses of being a star player, right? If he's like up there in the most improved conversation, if he's like a really, really solid starting point guard for them, he's extension eligible. And I know that's hard to believe because he's only played 76 games in the NBA, but uh, he this is his third season. And if he really makes that jump, I could see him demanding a significant salary. So there's financial incentive for him to do that. There's also a role for him because the Rockets really don't have playmakers of his caliber on the roster. He is the best playmaker if Wall is not going to be there. He can really, really pass the basketball. I really like him as a, as a starting point guard for Houston next to Jalen Green. Defensively, he has to get a lot better. He just does. He is one of the worst players in the NBA defensively. Um, he is, um, I think he was last in defensive RPM, which is ESPN stat, even if you don't put much weight on that. Watching the film, it, he he's just not a good, a good defender. He needs to get to at least slightly below average next next season. He needs to get to a point where he's at 50, 55% true shooting. You know, he's got to be more efficient. He's not. He doesn't shoot the ball, the three ball that particularly well. He needs he needs to get to like thirty five percent from three and like eighty percent from the free throw line. Uh, he needs to tighten up the handle, right? The handle gets loose a lot. That fifty-point game he, even, he, he uh, that he had this season, where he, you know, he really went off against uh, Drew Holiday and the Bucks. Like he he almost lost the ball a couple times in that game, right? So he really, really needs to tighten up that handle. Needs to be more efficient from three. Uh, needs to be better defensively. A lot of areas where he can improve. But if he, if he if he really 
you know, if you put that work in this summer, the, the Rockets are going to give him that spot. And if I were a betting man, I'm not. But if I were a betting man, I'd be putting a lot of money down on uh, one of the Porter Juniors to win most improved player. Whether that's Michael Porter Jr. or Kevin Porter Jr. Those are my two favorite bets on the table um, for next season's most improved player award. Uh, they're going to have huge roles and responsibilities for their team next season. And uh, I think in Kevin Porter Jr.'s case, like, you know, this is really like a make it or break it kind of year for him. You know, like he, not only is he extension eligible, like he, the, the Rockets were, they were, the Rockets traded nothing to get him. He has to be cognizant of that. Like that's what his value was across the league. Like he was about to be waived. And uh, the Cavs decided, you know what, we're going to take this nothing burger back as a face-saving move. And now the Rockets have him on a dirt-cheap contract, but that may not be dirt-cheap any longer. In fact, the Rockets would probably prefer it no longer be dirt-cheap because they want Kevin Porter Jr. to be that level of player. So... It's going to be interesting to see if he performs next season, but there's a lot of pressure on him. Like, like they, listen, they, they're clearing out. They are clearing out for him to have the ball in his hands a lot, a lot next season. And now there's going to be a clear starting spot for Jalen Green, which, you know, it, there was a question mark there for a while, but now he's going to start. And now that number that we saw coming out of Vegas, where he was the favorite for rookie of the year, it makes a lot, a lot more sense. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot next season as well. And I want to see how these two guys play next to each other. I really do. I want to see how uh, you know, how the chemistry develops. Uh, if Porter Jr. is good enough to play that position. How how they play in pick and roll each individually. Like uh, how Kevin Porter Jr. plays off guys like Christian Wood and Daniel Tice. And how Jalen Green... Um, it develops as a ball handler. All that stuff is going to be fascinating to watch. The Rockets are going to be a much more interesting team next season without Wall there. Uh, they may be a less competitive team because Wall does make them better, but they are a much more interesting basketball team. So this really opens up a lot of playing time, man. It really does. Uh, and, and it makes their rotation make a lot more sense. Like for a while, I was kind of grappling with what their starting lineup is going to be. And now it's pretty clear to me. They're going to start Kevin Porter Jr. They're going to start Jalen Green. They're going to start Jay Sean Tate. They're going to start Christian Wood. And they're going to start Daniel Tice. I don't like that Christian Wood and Daniel Tice pairing, but I think that's what they want to do. And in, in, as far as the bench, you know, you got Dante Exum, Eric Gordon, Daniel House, Ken, Kenyon Martin Jr., and probably Alperin Shangun or Usman Garuba. One of those two is going to get the backup center spot. And David Nwaba is going to be the 11th man. So I think they're going to have two guys in the G League. Uh, one of Usman Garuba, Perrin Sengun, and Josh Christopher, because I just, I, I just don't see playing time for him here. Now, obviously, things could change. There could be an Eric Gordon trade. There could be injuries. And in that case, Christopher might be able to get up some playing time. But it's one of those things where, like, somebody's going to have to play in the G League. Not all these rookies are going to be able to play. There's a lot of vets on this team still there. On this roster currently, there are six players 21 years or younger, and there are nine players 25 years or older when you include Dante Exum, who they just signed. So there's going to be guys that have to be in the G League 
and eventually they'll get moved up. And it shouldn't be viewed as this cardinal sin to be in the G League your first season if you're not like a top five pick. Those top five picks are the only ones that are guaranteed starting spots or spots on the roster rather. And everyone after that has the potential to be in the G League. It's, it's not a demotion. A lot of those guys eventually make it up and sometimes even become starters. Look at Clint Capella. So it's one of those things where I can already hear Rockets fans complaining that player X isn't playing enough or player X should be moved up to the regular roster. And you just got to have patience with this, man. This is how a rebuild works. Like Not everybody's going to play right away. And the way the Rockets have their roster structured, they haven't torn everything down yet. Right, they still haven't traded Eric Gordon. They still haven't traded, you know, Daniel House. You know, they may not even trade some of these guys. You know, I think they will trade Eric Gordon, but they're talking about extensions with Daniel House, and that could probably still lead to a trade. But you never know. He's young enough to where they could just keep him around, and his money is so cheap that you can't envision him getting a significant pay bump when he's only playing like twenty-five minutes a game right now. So it will be an interesting season, nonetheless. There will be plenty of young players playing a lot of minutes. Uh, the veterans are going to be young-ish, right? You're talking about Christian Wood, Jay Sean Tate. Those are your oldest guys on the team, right? Uh, David Nwaba, um, Eric Gordon. Like, th- th- that's, you know, that's the youngest roster Houston's had in some time. You know, since probably... Uh, James Harden's first season on the team where like you're talking Jeremy Lin, Chandler Parsons, stuff like that. So this is going to be a really, really exciting season. Uh, I I think they're not going to get a lot of national TV attention. And I, I, I already hear, you know, people getting upset about that. But here's the thing, man. Until the Rockets are good again, they are not going to get national TV games. The NBA generally favors veteran teams for these spots. The only exceptions for this are like Zion Williamson or like LeBron James. Like unless you're like a really, really, really highly touted rookie, you're not going to get these national TV spots right away. Even Jalen Green, who is a, you know, has all-star potential, he's not going to get guaranteed the spot. Cade Cunningham has the same amount of national TV games as Jalen Green, you know. These things are fluid until the team is good enough. The NBA is just going to go by the tried and true strategy of playing veteran teams on national TV or waiting till young teams prove it. And I think that's the right way to go about it. Isn't that the healthiest way to go about it? Unless you're like the Lakers or Knicks who get guaranteed a certain amount of national TV games no matter what, the league is pretty fair about handing out national tv games i would say they're they're not heavy-handed with this stuff i don't think they hate certain players or they hate certain markets i I think they favor certain markets but i don't think they hate certain markets they generally look at team level so it is going to be a fun season you're just gonna have to watch them on league pass by the way craig ackerman should be the voice of the rockets next season for the for houston's tv right i know i'm biased i know i have him on the show all the time but I think Craig's the guy, you know, uh, the Rockets went by the traditional model of having that Homer guy on the TV broadcast in Bill Worrell for so many years, loved, beloved by a lot of the fan base. And I get it. You know, a lot of people grew up with him, but 
I like Craig Ackerman's mix of like really, really intelligent analysis while also still being a fan and making it fun for the audience, right? I, I like that type of commentator best. I think he's one of the best guys on League Pass. I think he should get the job. Uh, and I can't wait to hear what AT&T Sportsnet does with that. I, n- I never really keep up with the gossip and stuff like that, but I uh, I, I do want to see what this announcement is going to be as to who calls Rockets game next season. But uh, this is going to be uh, a really, really refreshing year coming off of last season. Last season was a... Uh, <laughs> brutal brutal year and this season is going to be kind of like a palate cleanser in that there are no expectations and a lot of young players i hope you guys enjoyed the podcast subscribe on itunes google play spotify and stitcher if you enjoyed the show give us five stars if you really enjoyed it because it helps people find the show follow me on twitter at so NBA. follow the podcast on twitter at red nation hoops yeah guys good night